With 300-plus exhibitors and more than 50 conference sessions, NAB Show New York is designed to offer a new outlook on media, entertainment, and technology, so you can stay ahead of the field. Visit nabshowny.com and use code MP01 to save up to $100 on registration. Pick up your copy of the new issue of Film Comment, featuring a special section on the 57th New York Film Festival, including Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, Pain and Glory and Pedro Almodovar on his literary inspirations, Noah Baumbach's Married Story, Angela Shanalek's I Was at Home But, and Cornelio Poromboyo's The Whistlers. Support independent, non-profit film journalism today at filmcomment.com. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name's Nick Rapold. Uh, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment, and I'm here for another edition of our Toronto series. We're at the Toronto Film Festival, seeing 400,000 movies, so you don't have to. Um, so you can see four. Four very good movies. That's what the goal is. Um, it's sifting for gold. Um, and I'm very pleased to be joined by... Abby Sun, programmer and critic, now uh, freelance. And a contributor to Film Comment. You have, a, I think, a one or two things in our new issue. Yeah, I think I have a review of Genesis and yes. then also a very short capsule review of a documentary called This Freedom Life. Yes. So pick up a copy right away. Um, and? Devika Girish, I'm the assistant editor at Film Comment. And uh, Devika's um, here on her first uh, Toronto festival. Woohoo! <laughs> it's my first Toronto festival too. Wait, are you kidding me? Ah. I just assumed you had been here. No. Okay, that's two, well, there you go. We're two noobs. <laughs> well, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm fumbling our way through the crowds. Yeah. Um, I, it's it is very cra- it feels even more crowded this year, but I don't know if I'm just getting older and. Can't I think. Well, I've been told that there are fewer PNI present industry yes, screenings. That is, is um, that so. True? I think. That I think true. that's really contributed to congestion because, yeah. um, as I was telling everyone here earlier, there were some screenings that I did not even make it into. Yeah. Yeah, I wish you know I should have looked into this better, but just not knowing what to expect, the fact that there's sometimes just one PNI screening and. It's, you know, I would have like requested public tickets well in advance if I'd known. And it, I've actually ended up, you know, not making some of the films I really wanted to see. And that's, but I guess, that, you know, this festival is the best lesson in like learning to let go. And, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, but I'm like serious. I've had to like just like take deep breaths so many times in the day and just been like, just let go. <laughs> like, just go with the flow. It's just movies. Like, yeah, I think that's, that's true. You just end up going where the current takes you sometimes well if you're a morning person they do release extra tickets every morning um so going Mm. to the box office at 8 a.m how at least i've been able to get but then you have to like go to the box office at 8 a.m you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) well we uh we're all just doing our best to, to survive um so where should we begin i mean uh i i would kind of like to talk about um I kind of want to talk about, well, let's just talk about a movie that maybe no one expects us to talk about because I think everyone expects us to talk about, I don't know what, you know, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, but we've already done that. So let's talk about Lena from Lima. 
Yeah. So, um, yes, this is prompted by me because I saw it just a few hours ago. Um, and it's a the, the program notes here do give away a little bit what it is, this film. Um, it is and also the title is about a woman named Lena from Lima, <laughs> um, despite the alliterative um, kind of uh, nursery rhyme title. It's actually pretty deadly serious um, about um so, so Lena works as um, sort of a housekeeper, a personal aide. She has a variety of roles um, from what appears to be a wealthy family in Argentina. Um, and um, it's right before Christmas one year. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's prepping. She's helping the father of this family kind of with some sort of summer home, new home, whatever. There's a pool that's been installed in the backyard and she's sort of overseeing the renovations, overseeing the delivery of the furniture to this house. Um, At the same time, she's getting ready to um, prepare to return to Lima to visit her own family for um, Christmas break. And um, so that's kind of the structure of the film. But at the very beginning, what we're thrust into is um, actually a, a musical act um, mm-hmm. because at various points through this film, um, the very strict observational kind of locked off, um, maybe a little bit cold um, observational style of the film gets punctured by these musical interludes, which start off as, um, you know, kind of, I don't know, um, like standard musical style where the characters break out in song um, from yeah. their regular life, but then it slowly gets more and more and more elaborate. Um, the images start fracturing. It becomes very much fantasy. And then at the very end, which I thought was um, quite brilliant about this film, um, to me what it does um, is the musical parts start critiquing the actual kind of the social issue narrative mm-hmm. that makes up the rest of the film. Um, to me, it's like a really wonderful way to engage with kind of the problem of these types of films where you have one character that stands in for an entire social class. Mm-hmm. How could one you know person's life, um, even if it is quite specific, like in this film, ever st- be generalized um how how could this possibly represent you know um you know class struggle and um, race issues and things like that um and so the last kind of musical interlude um kind of takes a literal approach um to giving lena's voice to other laborers um other uh servants classes it sounds really hokey um what i just said but it was quite beautifully done i thought then the final scene kind of hammers home um, I guess issues of precarity where um, uh, you know service house workers um, give up their own family and their own lives in service mm. of the family that they work for. Yeah, no, I it, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a movie that um, I, I don't know. She the, the the lead actress. I wish I had written down her name. I think she's she's also pretty uh, pretty good at it's. I think it's tough to be a person who has to inhabit that kind of role and that kind of character, but also, you know, perform fairly well in these musical s- song scenes. Cause it's basically heard, I think doing yeah, mo- most yeah. of the singing. Miley Solier. Solier. I don't know how to say any so, of this. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I also just like the character she's playing. She, she's, she's definitely more than a type. She's also, I mean, she's, she's a mother. She's kind of distant. She's, you know, from, from, from her son, um, so she has to, there's that aspect to it. She has to communicate 
over Skype and he's completely in his own world. Um, but she also has like an active singles kind of life. And that's an, that's an aspect of, 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 I don't know, this kind of milieu of like um, following the life of, of a, you know, marginal, marginalized housekeeper that you don't usually get exposed to. And I just like how it's completely woven in and also not, not judged either. She's, you know, <laughs> she's just living, living her life. And I think that keeps the movie from the kind of usual, you know, semi pitying arc that, that you'll have with, with films like these. It also, I mean, um, I, I saw another movie called techno boss that was, uh, at Locarno. Actually, I didn't see the, the whole movie, so I can't actually talk about it. But I will say it does have musical elements, and it just felt very flat and just kind of ironic and, and just the opposite of what you could do with it. I mean, it has totally different goals, et cetera, et cetera. But um, it, it's just, it was comparable in the sense that it was like a you know, kind of a smaller, stranger movie that's using musical elements as opposed to some giant full-fledged, um, I don't know, studio musical or whatever. Um, but yeah, Lena from Lima, that was in the, you want to say discovery or contemporary world cinema section? I don't know. I think it was discovery, discovery. but yeah. I may be wrong. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, actually I, I wonder if it'd be an interesting segue just quickly to talk about another film that's, well, a film that's concerned with social justice very overtly. Um, mm. and that would be, um, just mercy. Um, and I guess the reason I want to talk about it is, I mean, first, this is a movie that uh, is is about a, like a he's a he's a he's like a uh, he's an attorney, a civil rights attorney, basically. Yeah, he actually won the MacArthur Junior Prize um, right. last year. Right. Yeah, Brian Stevenson, the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery. Alabama, I believe Montgomery, but in Alabama, mm -hmm. um, and made actually a huge news last year because mm -hmm. the memorial, um, the lynching memorial was oh, yeah. the equal, his organization's initiative along with the slavery museum, um, there. Yeah. And I mean, this is, so yeah, this is, you know, obviously a major figure <laughs> and, and this is a movie about, I guess, earlier in, in his, his career where he's defending, uh, he's 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 defending a, um, a guy on on death row who has been railroaded um, for uh, a crime he he didn't commit, and it's just about the really entrenched you know s s southern racism and bias that becomes systemic and actually have you know terrible terrible results in in the justice system, and but the thing is. As a movie, it's it, despite you know having people like <laughs> uh, Jamie Fox and um, God, Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, and, um, Brie Larson. Yeah, it's it's just a totally static movie. It is just you know it's and it's it's also a movie that I think is just a type of movie that shows at Toronto, which just kind of comes in, sails in, <laughs> and sails out just kind of frictionlessly <laughs> in the sense that it's immediately something that will be talked about in terms of the awards it might get without any real discussion of the actual merit of any aspect of, of the filmmaking um, or the performances, which I have to say I was a little disappointed by. Like, I adore Michael B. Jordan, and I don't know if this is, like, one of his great performances. Like, if, if he were to somehow, you know, get a, a nomination for this, 
it wouldn't be the one I'd want to get for this, you know? Um, so it's just kind of frustrating, I don't know, from a critic's perspective, just to, to, to see that um, happen. And again, because it gets complicated because it ends up being tied up with like social justice concerns. And um, sometimes you, the, the movie, what you're looking at in front of you is, is not always brought into consideration. But I don't want to bash Just Mercy. No one feels great about doing that, but... Just had to say my piece about Just Mercy. Um, Devika, what should we talk about instead? Um, synonyms. Yes, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, synonyms, which has made its way here after being at a couple festivals already, premiered at Berlin. Yep. Um, won, won the Golden Bear. It did, yeah. Yes. And actually, funny story, I was trying to see my last day in Berlin and me mm. and a friend, we took a cab to the theater because it was one of the theaters that like, that's like away from the central Potsdamer Platz area. And we were dropped off at a location and the cab driver left. And then we like were just like searching for the theater and we did that for 15 minutes. And it turned out he just dropped us off in some other part of the city. Oh, no. And then we had to like find our way back. And, you know, <laughs> and now having watched the film, I realized there's some parallels to the, you know, movie. You know, I was just trying, walking around, trying to like talk to these German locals and uh, find our way. Anyway, so you didn't watch it, but you experienced, <laughs> you experienced it. it. Well, I, I have now, I have watched it since, but yes, then. First <laughs> yeah. you lived it, then you watched it. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I was pretty bummed to not have seen it once it won the prize and all the rave reviews rolled in. So I'm so glad to have seen it now. Um, it's Nadav Lapid's third film. He made Policeman and The kinder Kindergarten Teacher. Were they also in, in the Toronto lineup? So of past um i don't know off the top of my head yes sorry but they're both in new york film festival which new uh, synonyms also yes is. synonyms yeah. is also coming to new york film festival which is great and um it's basically the story of i think of a, a young former idf soldier um mm -hmm. who you know the movie just opens uh opens with him showing up in front of an apartment in in paris and he finds a key under the carpet and you're not sure if, you know, he's like breaking in or if he knows someone or it's, it's all very ambiguous. And he enters this very large, empty apartment. He takes off his clothes. And this really was distinctive and caught my attention. He like wears like a body bag or something and then hops to the bathroom. And then, I, I mean, in retrospect, you realize, oh, probably because it's cold and he didn't want to walk naked or something. But it's like, why didn't he just go into the bathroom and take his clothes off? I know this seems like a minor quibble <laughs> to bring up, but it was my first clue that, like, this character is, like, has these distinctive patterns of movement and behavior, and those become clearer mm. as the film goes on. Anyway, so that's how it starts. And then he, start, he starts, like, bathing. And suddenly, he, he, when he steps out, his bag, his clothes, all his belongings are gone. And he's like running around this building naked, you know, um, knocking on doors and yelling like, I'm cold, I'm freezing, someone help me, they took my clothes. And no one comes to his rescue. So he goes back into the bathtub, tries to warm himself with just the water, and he passes out. And these two, you know, bourgeois French kids, a, a guy and a girl, find him. And, you know, basically save his life and give him, give him clothes and food and take a liking to him. Mm -hmm. And that's how the movie basically begins. So he 
Then it, it turns out that he's Israeli, he's moved here, and for some reason he's adamant to not speak Hebrew. He's adamant to only speak French, mm-hmm. and he has this obsessive desire to learn new words. He buys a dictionary, and he keeps, like, every time he walks through the city, he, like, is staring at the street and repeating, like, synonyms or just repeating various words that he's learned that day. He's always asking his French friends how to pronounce certain things. So he has this, like, obsession with linguistically entering mm. Fr- France or, like, becoming French. And it's all very confusing and you're not really sure what, what's up. And slowly he starts to like talk about how terrible Israel is and how much he wants to distance himself from where he comes from. And he he just, he has all these stories that at any moment he'll just launch into them. Uh, you know, sometimes a non sequitur. And those stories all seem strange and really, really melancholy. And then... There seem then you realize those stories have some sort of a hint in like a troubled uh, experience in in the military. So there's some kind of PTSD mm. that becomes apparent. And there's not much more I can say. I think about the film. I think you have to experience it. You know, beyond this, but um, it just kind of follows him as he fumbles his way around Paris learning new words, trying to feed himself, um, Mm -hmm. sort of developing this like weird three-dimensional love triangle-ish relationship with these uh, two young French people. Uh, Very like, very sexually charged, um, but not like explicit. And he also gets hired at the Israeli embassy where he refuses again to speak Hebrew and they're all kind of suspicious. And at one point when everyone's sort of being made to wait outside in the rain, he just opens the gate and he yelled, no borders, no borders, everyone in, and lets all these people who are waiting for, <laughs> you know, whatever bureaucratic things in. Mm. So there's all these little moments that, you know, are slowly building and uh, segueing from one to the next. That's what the movie's <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah. And uh, did you want to chime in? Or? I I don't I don't know that I have much much to add at this time, but uh, yeah, he's he's definitely, for my money, still one of the most consistently original and riveting filmmakers working now. Just every shot, he's 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 doing something. Um, yeah, I don't know. I watch a movie like his and. I just really get impatient watching other movies. I know. That's exactly <laughs> what happened to me because this movie is just so... I mean, first of all, the performance is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a newcomer, Tom Mercier. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just so tightly wound. He has this childish, like, pout the whole time and it makes you... Like, it endears you to him because he's so naive and you can see that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a weird sequence where he gets hired to do a little porn shoot. And yeah, people have been talking about that for yeah. other reasons too. And yeah, and it it is it's kind of strange because like he is they the basically the porn director asks him to behave like an IDF soldier and huh. brings in a woman who's supposed to play a Palestinian. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so it okay. it gets really crazy and all the way through this guy is just like a weird mix of stoic but also manic. And hmm deeply sad deeply deeply disturbed and sad and overall i think his performance is so arresting and affecting and the movie is just this very sly oblique totally unexpected critique of you know what 
you would call heteronationalism or mm. this this kind of masculine form of nationalism that militaristic cultures are associated with mm-hmm. and you know and the fact the thing is he's trying to become french and he's slowly realizing that he has to imbibe french nationalism in mm. order to like truly become french and nationalism is itself the, at the root of this malaise that um he's trying to escape mm. it's it's just it's very very moving and it's just done in this totally just unexpected and um I don't know. I just admire the vision of this director. This is such a singular film, singular character to have cooked up out of thin air. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Media masters, entertainment elite, creative connoisseurs. Join us this fall at NAB Show New York to demo products, make new connections, and learn the industry skills needed for what lies ahead. Nearly 300 exhibits and 50-plus sessions on the show floor will get you up to speed on inspired storytelling, monetization, training, and trends, all complemented by several community-focused events set to expand your network. Visit nabshowny.com and use code MP01 to save up to $100 on registration. Pick up your copy of the new issue of Film Comment, featuring a special section on the 57th New York Film Festival including Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, Pain and Glory and Pedro Almodovar on his literary inspirations, Noah Baumbach's Married Story, Angela Shanalek's I Was at Home But, and Corneliu Poromboyo's The Whistlers. Support independent, non-profit film journalism today at filmcomment.com. Have there been other, any other films that we've seen that were kind of striking, in, in stylistically at least? They, Abby, you mentioned one that at least stylistically was interesting. Blood blood quantum? Blood quantum, yes. So, um, I mean, to me, the, the title is a reference um, to, um, I guess, uh, you know, registration of um, indigenous people in North America, First oh. Nations, um, indigenous um, reservations, um, Native Americans in the U.S. too. This is a Canadian film. Um, it is in the Midnight Madness section here. Hmm. The director is Jeff Barnaby. And um, this, a lot's been talked about this film. Well, stylistically, from what I understand, it. so the film itself, it has like two halves. And I will say, I was really I realized that the first half was sort of building this mystery that actually the um program blurb actually spoils um so I guess I'll spoil it here with the warning because um because then the first half of the film really was a little bit clunky for me but I realized Mm. um you know very early on that the audience is not supposed to know what actually is going on though if you read the program notes um for TIFF you do um so what's happening is that this is um early 1980s Canada Mm. um on a reservation um and um uh uh the dead are coming back to life um this is a zombie movie um and um this affects the animals first and then people. Um, mm-hmm. But if you have any bit of native blood in you, you are immune to the zombie disease and you are not mm. affected. Wow. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so, so the first half of the film 
um, is um, kind of the start of this infection. People getting figuring out what's happening. Um, the main character, there's a couple. Main characters are a family, um, divorced parents. The father is um, the police chief, so of course everybody calls him chief. So this is a you know really clever way <laughs> at getting at that stereotype. Mm -hmm. um, the mother is a nurse, which comes in handy um, during a you know zombie apocalypse, um, and then the two sons are actually half brothers. Um, they share the same. Uh, they share the same father, mm -hmm. and um, they kind of represent throughout the film kind of different ideologies of um, like blood purity and mm -hmm. whether or not we should help people who are different than ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the first half of the film, and then it jumps forward six months in the timeline. The second half of the film is this like dystopian, post-apocalyptic, um, kind of Mad Max style, um, like punk, um, like all the zombies are trying to get in now to the stronghold, um, this native stronghold um, where nobody is infected. Um, and um, even if they get bitten um, and, and yeah, it becomes kind of this all out bloodbath. Um, and that's when really kind of the conflict between the two brothers start coming into play mm -hmm. because one of the brothers has a white girlfriend who is pregnant with his child and mm -hmm. she um, is really sympathetic to the outsiders, um, you know, other white people and keeps kind of bringing in stragglers um, into their, their safe haven. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can imagine... Uh, kind of what happens next. Uh, so yeah. to me, I mean, this film, it's its super smart on many, many levels. Um, like, it's stylistically, it's immediately kind of obvious what it's referring to and then also developing on um, because I think that some of the, the weapons, <laughs> I guess, to say that are used can get quite creative at times. Uh -huh. um, but to me, kind of what's most interesting about this film is it's, like I mean, like I think all good genre films, it's really using, um, you know, its style to talk about social issues. Um, but this one, it really feels like to me, it's it's very thoughtful about the way that it's doing it. It's made with um, an all um, indigenous cast, except for the you know white people. Um, the majority of the crew apparently um, are indigenous or First Nations Canadians. Mm. Um, yeah, just a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 I mean, I really wanted to actually see this film based on the premise. I just couldn't make it out to one of those midnight screenings. Right. But um, the just the plot that you described, it just sounds so clever with this like native blood idea. I mean, it's a subversion on so many levels of, of mm -hmm. various, you know, historical systems that are built on that kind of um you know, blood-based or yeah. whatever, like the one one drop system or just mm. um, these. And, and you're talking about like an infection and, and thinking about the ways in which many indigenous populations were wiped out due to exposure, um, mm. you know, from invade, oh, due to exposure from invaders and things like that. It just seems like this is something that's taking in those ideas and turning it into uh, just yeah, a very it, clever... It, yeah, it's a really interesting take on like, you know, decolonizing being such a buzzword right now in the mm -hmm. film industry. Mm -hmm. And the film itself, like, takes all of these things that were colonial tools of oppression against indigenous people on this continent, mm -hmm. um, and it kind of turns them into advantages for the characters right, in the film, right. right? So, like, blood quantum being, you know, kind of a mark of registration, you know, your legal status, all of that. Mm -hmm. But then here being 
you know, literally the only thing that saves your life mm. or saves you, prevents you from becoming a zombie when you die. Um, so I guess maybe the opposite of saves your life. But then also <laughs> within the community itself, there are all of these, um, from what I understand, um, I didn't, I didn't get this myself, but um, a friend told me afterwards that some of the lines of dialogue um, are kind of lifted also from Canadian films um, that were spoken by white people arguing for the extermination of indigenous populations in Canada. And um, in this film, those lines are spoken by, you know, the 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 people who are immune, uh, you know, talking oh. about killing all of the yeah. zombies in order to save all of the living people. Oh. Um, so it, it does a lot of things in that way mm -hmm. to kind of turn all of these things on its head mm. um, in ways that, you know, feel organic um, to the script. Um, it also, at the end, has a really interesting argument for, um, like, how to save the planet, uh, basically, <laughs> which I was a little bit disturbed by. But, um, you know, as someone whose ancestors are not from this continent, maybe, you know, I need to sit and think about that for a moment. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I know you're not doing your witch movie quiz anymore, oh. <laughs> but I, I just keep thinking of all yeah. these connections and like I'm thinking of Bakurao now, which mm. has some uh, similar, you know, plot elements and subversions of, um, you know, this like an homage to a Western in which the cowboys are like indigenous and mm. the invaders are, are these white westerners and yeah it's it's also taking these structures and overturning them and has this like environmental sort of um calamity in a, mm -hmm. in the distant backdrop so i don't know i, I just thought that was worth mentioning yeah, definitely. there's all these patterns emerging yeah no I, that's something that's nice about this festival is that you i think you get you're getting like two or three different festivals all brought together in here because you're getting some of venice you're getting some of locarno you're getting some of Berlin with with synonyms and of course Cannes as well. This is kind of like the first landing for for a lot of people with the Cannes Cannes films. Um, so that's also intriguing. You know, seeing Baccarat and Parasite side by yeah, side. With yeah, and Par yeah, yeah, Parasite absolutely comparing it to like Lena from Lima about yeah. the precarity of the underclass. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it just definitely. it gives you a sense of the pulse of the moment of. Yeah. filmmaking moment but also in general culture in like a really concentrated and unique way which has been sort of fun yeah yeah um and i mean and one film Devika, you were talking about before we were recording um was a locarno film actually but you um you were a fan of uh terminal sued yes yeah. i was um yeah. I, I i liked it quite a bit it's it translates to south terminal and it's um an algerian film and I don't know how to pronounce the director's name. It's Rabah, and then there's a hyphenated last name, and I'm just not going to attempt it. But mm -hmm. um, he's made a few other films, some of which have shown here. Yeah. Uh, but this film, I think, is is like really distinctive, and um, I've heard several people say that it's his best work yet. So, mm. um, and it's so it's about a doctor in Al Algeria, and and it, it's sort of. Um, it's ambiguous when exactly the film is set, but the backdrop very clearly is the Algerian civil war and it's referenced, but not in like very specific ways. And there's, it's a, it's a very minimalist film. So it just mm -hmm. kind of drops you in the midst of a broadly sketched out situation without giving you historical details. Actually, Nick, 
convinced me to see this by describing it as a real life transit <laughs> and i'm a transit stan so you know i that's why I, um saw it and i think uh, that's kind of a fair description oh, yeah. <laughs> um in, in the sense that it's this like again very minimalist uh film that doesn't it's sort of abstract but it's also mm -hmm. clear what it's talking about yeah. and it's about this doctor who struggles with being neutral in the midst of a civil war i think mm -hmm. that's how i would put it mm -hmm. and um it's it's an interesting i think idea that i don't think has been explored very much in films it reminded me of an indian film called heather which um from a few years ago which is an adaptation of hamlet set in kashmir mm -hmm. and in which hamlet's father is actually a doctor in kashmir who doesn't refuse treatment to anyone be it militants or insurgents or the police and so he ends up treating a milit or an insurgent who is like brought into his home in the middle of the night wow. and the army the indian army kidnaps him and tortures him and he's just like he disappears that's very similar to this movie exactly i know <laughs> but in 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 heather that's just the that's just what sets the plot in motion because it's an adaptation of hamlet oh, okay. so it's about his son right. searching for his father it's that's a very good movie by the way and it's on Netflix so okay. I'll, I'll just shout out to it but um it made me think of that because this is actually such an intelligent and um affecting way to explore uh, civil conflicts that I don't see too much in films and mm. this film stays terminal suit stays with the doctor all the way through and um so this doctor is just like trying to live and uh, treat all of these people who come into his hospital who are often of differing factions mm -hmm. he's also like frisked every time he's like coming into his hospital right. or going anywhere so that's like a recurring thing in the film is these checkpoints and people constantly being stopped and frisked which is also something that happens in the other film in Heather and it I mean it's just a in transit too and it's this you know reality of living in a surveilled and a conflict-ridden place you know i i thought it was very interesting like it's also not just exploring the conflict from the point of view of the doctor but also through ailments which is this like fanonian idea of how war and conflict and colonialism like manifests in ailments and pathology and so mm. there's these people there's a woman who comes to him and he 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 diagnoses her and he says she has an embolism and she needs to like get treatment asap and you know and she starts talking about how her husband has disappeared and she doesn't know whether he's alive or dead and he's been missing for months and that you know how all of this kind of boils down to these bodily ailments and that happens mm. several times in the film people are alcoholics because they yeah. don't know how else to deal with life and there's a point at which he is kidnapped and taken to some remote location and made to treat someone who you know is of a certain a leader of a certain faction mm -hmm. and he later has to basically like sort of pay the consequences of that and um and that's all I'll say about it because you know it 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 should be seen um and again i just thought it was a very intelligent very human scaled way of exploring this conflict i think civil wars are can be really complicated and navigating neutrality or just doing a normal job in the midst of a war mm -hmm. like that can yeah. can be um is is just something that's incredibly complex and the film lays that out very well and it's it's very beautifully made uh there's a lot of ambient sound that's kind of emphasized 
while there's while the dialogue is minimal and there's like this kind of play of silence between people compensated for by a lot of industrial noise or the or street noise and and it's just it's this idea of you know mon- mundane life and life sort of trying to go on while people have nothing more to do than to grieve and it captures that very beautifully yeah so yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, and 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 um, the whole movie is pretty claustrophobic too. Not just because the doctor is effectively in hiding part of the time, uh, and and everyone sort of is, but also I think I, if I remember correctly, it's kind of shot in a lot of kind of tight, sort of medium shots. You don't always get like a big view of things. That might partly be a budget thing, but it's it it also has an effect of like keeping you close to their frame of mind at any given time. And disjointed scenes too. Yeah. So you just mm-hmm. suddenly see a character in a location, but you're not actually exactly sure where everyone is. Yeah. And it, that's why it felt very like human scale to mm. me. And it's just sticking to these characters and not always giving you the big picture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely. That. So that's a uh, terminal sued, uh, a Locarno uh, pr- premiere, but um, um, also here at Toronto. Um, we probably are going to wrap up shortly, um, but um, Abby, I'll give you the the last word. Is there any film you want to um, pull out to, to talk about? Simple Women is that would that be something? Yeah, so Simple Women, um, Made in Bangladesh, mm-hmm. um, were kind of two other films yeah. that I seen that I admired a lot. Um, I will just say I know this was discussed on a previous film comment podcast, mm-hmm. but I think that Collective is a masterpiece of a documentary um, and. Yep. I very dearly hope to see it in the States soon. Yeah. Um, no, it's good for you to say that so it doesn't just look like Eric and I were just... It, yeah, I mean, I'm just going <laughs> to throw up. my hat in there. I will say, yeah. like, at the screening that I was at, which is a press and industry screening, and I'd never seen this happen at any P&I screening, but the entire audience was just in silent shock at the end. Like, no one even got up immediately when the credits started rolling. Um, God, I'm was. so bummed that I didn't catch it now. <laughs> Yeah, it, it does sound I mean, it, to me, it's a profoundly depressing film. Oh, it's, it's devastating. It's like, I mean, it's just, I mean, I in like three different ways. Like, it, yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah, so I actually just went back to my hotel and went to bed actually after watching it because I couldn't <laughs> handle it. life like living actually yeah. afterwards. So, um, just a super quick shout out for that. Um, for Simple Woman, I guess I'll go into that first. Um, mm-hmm try to make this quicker um this was the opening night film for the discovery section here at Mm -hmm. tiff the director is an italian it's her first feature from what i understand name is um kira malta um but from her um credits list it looks like she's worked in tv quite um extensively Mm. um that might be incorrect okay anyway moving on (laughs) um so the film itself is about um a a documentary filmmaker actually um who Mm. when she was a young child um this this the main character suffers from seizures and as a young child um i guess watched the um hal um hartsby film simple men Mm -hmm. um where the um uh, one of the side characters um played by apparently a romanian actress named elena um lowenstone um has a seizure um on the road trip and um so as a child the main character of simple woman the film that is here um sees the screening of this film and falls in love um with 
with this actress um, because it was yeah, her childhood is implied to be um, traumatic and maybe um, she lacks for affection, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, she studies film, um, works in, uh, she's actually hilariously enough, given the amount of Pope films that are out there, she's working on a documentary about like a Pope. <laughs> <laughs> Like in, a past pope in the or a movie, in the pope? movie, because this is this is this movie is like a hall of mirrors. It is a film within a film within a film. I mean, there's just so wow. many layers. Because what happens, like, to kind of set off this chain reaction, is the the character, this documentary filmmaker, runs into Elena, the actress on the street, who is played by herself. Uh-huh. Um, and what she does, um, this documentary. F- filmmaker is super fan is she proposes to Elena um, that she wants to make a fiction film starring Elena about her own life um, and so then you start her seeing her writing the script and then there are what appears to be you know excerpts from the finished film within the film the finished film within the film within the film um, and what you discover is um, that so Elena agrees um, to this project and it's based off of Elena's actual life, um, in which she plays not only herself in this fictional film within a film, but she plays all of her relatives too. Um, and it slowly becomes this kind of cannibalistic thing where like the director wants to become Elena, the actress, but it gets much more complex than that. Maybe some people would say it's quite affected um, what the film does. But to me, like kind of by the end of the film, like kind of gone in all sorts of different circles, um, it kind of touches on, um, you know, like what is the director's duty um, to an actress in documentary and fiction, um, like who's the creator of the film, um, things like that. And I, to me, the last scene, my my personal one critique against the film is that it doesn't pull back from all of these layers into the layer of our reality. It stays within the film's reality because what I personally wanted was for the director, Kira Malta, to kind of show up and become the director of the film at the end. To me, that was kind of the kind of logical extreme to which this film could have pushed itself. But it does end with kind of a you know a scene that is, to me is kind of this really intense critique of auteur theory um the director as the creator of a film wow. so simple yeah simple women yeah simple women mm. um and then made in bangladesh is directed by um rubayat hussein okay um uh it takes place in Bangladesh, as you can guess from the title. I'm all about the titles that are like ex- <laughs> reveal exactly what the film is, apparently. Um, Except maybe Simple Women. I don't think it doesn't seem to. Well, yeah, I guess but for because the it refers to Simple Men, the title. Hard, I mean, yeah. I think the film yeah. within the film it That's gives you a hint of what it's going to be exactly. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is this is a much more straightforward film. Um, it operates um, definitely in the kind of I don't know what I call like the um, European art house, um, non-professional actors, social <laughs> issue, um, you know, kind of maybe tamped down affect mm-hmm. acting subgenre. Yeah. Um, but this is a really incredible story of um, a group of women at a garment factory who um, start organizing themselves to form a union, mm-hmm. and um, so it it starts off very much operate it. There's a labor organizer who kind of um, convinces one of the women um, to become the leader of these things. And um, mm-hmm. there's some very self-aware um, kind of 
production design the entire time where um, the office of this labor um, organizer has like English language um, third wave feminism text <laughs> like in textbooks like all throughout her office um, and the you know the World War II like we can do it um, Rosie <laughs> the Riveter poster right. like all over the place um, but in the end it becomes um, quite this moving um to me um the woman sitting right next to me during this press and industry screening was crying of all things um in terms of what actually happens um in terms of the danger of um these women organizing in this quite small factory um and the ending is like a kind of like collective is actually really quite devastating in terms of what it means to organize in a society that is so intent on shutting down um, any sort of um, like independent, I don't know, assertion of self or of um, mm. of of some sort of labor solidarity. Right. Yeah. Well, that's ever timely. But uh, Made in Bangladesh, that's another uh, Toronto title here. Um, and I think we'll probably wrap it up there so we can be well rested to bring you more, more episodes. I just want to thank, uh, thank um, Abby and Devika for, uh, um, for a wonderful episode. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Film Comet Podcast with music by Greg Angie. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Film Comet is a bi-monthly magazine published by the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comet has featured in-depth features, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomet.com to purchase a print or digital subscription to Film Comet. Or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, or Kindle. Pick up your copy of the new issue of Film Comment, featuring a special section on the 57th New York Film Festival, including Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, Pain and Glory and Pedro Almodovar on his literary inspirations, Noah Baumbach's Merit Story, Angela Shanalek's I Was at Home But, and Cornelio Poromboyo's The Whistlers. Support independent, non-profit film journalism today at filmcomment.com. With 300-plus exhibitors and more than 50 conference sessions, NAB Show New York is designed to offer a new outlook on media, entertainment, and technology, so you can stay ahead of the field. Visit nabshowny.com and use code MP01 to save up to $100 on registration.